Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is March 8th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully you survived last week without me. Or maybe you went back and listened to an old Bruins Beat episode where you just you sat in your room and cried and you're like, where's Bruins Beat? Where's Evan? No, Utah was fun. It was a good time. Uh, definitely a nice little break mid-season. Never, never a terrible thing to do. Um, and now that I'm back, we're less than two weeks from the trade deadline. All the talk. Everything we've talked about less than two weeks away. So we're getting into a very, very, very busy stretch of the season. And the Bruins are starting to play really well. So there's no doubt that they are going to be going all in for this. It just comes down to how, how all in. And on this episode, I had on my good friend, Connor Ryan, a Boston Sports Journal, obviously. And uh, we discussed how the, the strategy at the deadline might be changing for the Bruins. This might not be the same deadline strategy that we've kind of been kicking around since like December. This is... Something new, something changed on the road trip uh, before uh, this little homestand that might change the entire deadline. Uh, we also got into uh, Jeremy Swayman and how he's making a strong case to be the playoff starter. And then we also got into the Atlantic Division because there's one team, there's one team above the Bruins who's fallen a little bit. This is a team that's used to falling a little bit during season. So we got into that. Uh, as well as always, uh, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% cash back on your first deposit. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. For the Bruins B listeners, I was in Utah. I said this in the intro. I was in Utah last week, so that's why people got a break. They got a break from Bruins Beat for a week, which maybe some were really sad. Maybe some were pumped, you know, but it's tough. The Bruins were good during that time I was gone. So it's like, you know, I I guess uh, they could have used a good upbeat Bruins uh, Bruins Beat episode. We're always doing negative ones. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing if it's a positive one. Um, yes, but at any rate, uh, how have you? How have you been? We have uh, we we did poke the bear last week, but how have you been during this time away from me? How are you, how are you handling yourself? I I have survived, Evan. I missed you, but oh. you know it, you know all things considered, it seems like you had a, a splendid time out in Utah. The Bruins were winning. 
I didn't have to like, you know, drive back and forth to like the garden every, every other day. So that was good. Everyone won. Now at least the Bruins are back, which at this point I'll, I'll take them back. Hopefully this kind of winning, you know, stretch they got on the road there translates back to home ice because you like to see the Bruins get some momentum here down the stretch. Everyone's winning. You'll take them home. You'll take them at home. You know, they're out so long. So, you know, I guess they, I guess they can come home. Uh, they can come home and succeed. Uh, they played Monday night again. This is recorded before the game against the Kings on Monday. I'm guessing it was a win. Guessing. Now, that's going to come back to me immediately. Uh, we'll see. If they, if they lost. But I'm going to guess that they that they won. But uh, terrific, terrific road trip. One of the better road trips they've had in recent seasons. They went everywhere. They ended in Columbus, which I think is funny. That, like, they yeah, how you, exactly home, how they you want to cap it. Columbus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loki, I've always thought about this with the Columbus uh, about Columbus. Loki, a lit environment. Like I've never been to yeah. nationwide, but like it looks like a passionate fan base. They're always loud. Like it, it looks like a pretty good uh, place to watch a game. And except for the cannon, as um, long as you brace yourself looks- for the cannon, yeah, like yeah. that's the last thing you want. You want it firing off, and you you fly, you know, your popcorn flies like ten rows back. You don't want that. But oh, yeah. no, yeah, it seems yeah. like a pretty fun environment for a. Uh, uh, market that maybe isn't traditional, but in terms of not just the fans there, but also a team that looked like maybe two, three years ago, you're like, all right, this team's going to be in the dumps for a while. You was like Panarin, Bobrovsky, those guys. And all of a sudden you, you're not running it back, but you've got a good young core to build off of moving forward. So it's a good organization over there. They're responsible for the lightning success. They, they knocked them out of the playoffs in four games and they were like the greatest team ever. And then uh, they were the ones who went the five overtime game and lost in the bubble against uh, Tampa. And then they went on to win two Stanley Cup since. So maybe we should be hating on Columbus a little bit more uh, than we are. Uh, but I think the biggest development of that road trip for me, and we'll get to Swayman later because he was outstanding. And I think we'll get to him in a bit. But to me, the biggest thing was your priority of the trade deadline up front may have changed. It may have changed. It looks like it has changed in the sense that up until that road trip, it was they need a second line center. You know, they could use a winger. You know, what can you get for DeBrusque? See what you can get there. But they need a second line center. And the big thing to come out of this road trip for me was your third line work. Charlie Coyle next to Craig Smith. That seems like they want to keep Smith next to Coyle. Smith started scoring a ton at the end. Again, that road trip was so good. You got hat tricks out of DeBrusque, (laughs) Craig Smith, Eric Alla had eight points. So your third line seems to be working. Not maybe can't hard to say long term, but it works for now. Your second line with Hall and Pasternak is really connecting. Halla is working in between them. So it really comes down to the first line right wing spot. It feels like that's now kind of the 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 move to make. Yeah, no, especially if Jake DeBrusque is the guy that's going to be moving out, right? And I, we've talked about this before. I believe we discussed it on Poke the Bear that, yeah, you could keep Jake DeBrusque uh, past the deadline if you don't really feel like you have an offer that's worth moving him for. But what happens if you get past March 21st and he's still here and he's upset or dragging his feet? Because, again, he, this is a guy who thought he was probably going to get moved in November, December, and he's still hit past the deadline. Um, and if he's ineffective in that spot down the stretch – which you would hope wouldn't be the case. You'd hope he, you know, more or less just rolls with the punches, finishes strong and really maximizes his value before a new contract drops this summer. But uh, if he's not effective down the stretch, all of a sudden you got this huge vacancy there. So, you know, I definitely think if you're, if they're intent on moving to brusque and it's uh, a certainty that he's going, 
then I think you can't just deal him for, let's say a package deal for, you know, a guy, let's say, let's just say hurdle. Like they move him in a, with a first and some guys for hurdle. And there's just a insert winger here, there on that top line. Like you can't really have that. And again, it's not to say that the Bruins maybe have to go out and get a 30 goal score. They need to get Brock Besser or, you know, Connor Gallen or something like that. Like, even if it's, I don't want to say like Marcus Johansson, because I think now with Seattle, he's, his game's dropped a bit, but a guy like that, right? A guy who a few years ago was good for 15 goals, 35, 40 points. Put him with Bergeron and Martian. It's going to be a pretty good line. You don't have to worry too much about that. So if they are intent on moving DeBrusque, I think you do have to get some winger in that spot that shores up that, that area of the, the lineup. Because as you said, Sure, Craig Smith could slot up, but if I'm the Bruins and I'm Bruce Cassidy, I'm not touching that third line at all. Like, don't no. don't even go near it. So I, I think it's all going to come down to, I think, whether or not they get a good offer for DeBrusque and their intent on moving him, because that's kind of the, the first domino to fall. And if, you know, we get to March 21st and their teams are still low-balling the Bruins, they don't want to move him, then you can kind of shift gears a little bit. But if DeBrusque is definitely going, you need to find someone to, to slot into that spot because you can't have all of a sudden a, a question mark there on a line that should be your go-to line going to the playoffs. Yes, and that's sort of the thing. Again, it's got to be a go-to line. And even, I mean, we mentioned this, I poked the bear with DeBrusque. It was, you know, should do the Bruins actually have to trade DeBrusque? And we both kind of were like, hmm, be smart too. You know, because again, it comes down to you want a guy there who you can rely on. And, and uh, there have been a few names that have been thrown around again as right side wingers who... Uh, might not cost a ton. I know Connor Garland would cost uh, a little bit. Uh, Brock Besser, kind of the same thing. Uh, one name that gets tossed about is Phil Kessel out in Arizona. Everyone loves to go back to fill the thrill. But the reality is, he's won before. You're, you're putting him with Bergeron and Marshan. If you just want him to produce, the guy's pretty damn consistent. And he's not going to cost you that much. So Kessel, I'm not completely out on. I think a lot of people just kind of go, oh, Phil Kessel. I don't think Kessel's as bad as people uh, say he is. But there's a better name. Uh, and Fluto actually mentioned this in The Athletic uh, on Monday morning. Oliver Bjorkstrand in Columbus, if they decide to sell, that'd be a pretty good ad. Again, he's, I believe he's under contract for the next four seasons after this one uh, with $27 million over the course of that time. So around a little over five and a half per or a little over five per, which isn't cheap. But again, he's he's consistently producing. He has uh 19 goals, 20 assists this season. He's a consistent producer. If you can go out and get a guy like Bjorkstrand, again, he's not cheap. So you're not giving he's not like he's not, he doesn't have this great contract that you're gonna have to give up, you know, more prospects and assets for. That could be a doable thing if Columbus decides to sell. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are the kind of guys you're looking for is guys either under term or, you know, a guy like Bjorkstrand, a guy like Gallen, someone who you can slot up to that top line and not have to worry about it for, oh, I guess you have to worry about it if Patrice Bergeron retires, right? But let's say just <laughs> if he comes back next year, if you go into uh, the, the coming years, and it's all about, I think we've talked about it both on this podcast and Poke the Bear, I don't think the Bruins, even if they don't really know what Bergeron's doing, they're not looking to, all right, Bergeron's retired, we got to have a fire sale, we're blowing it up. I think it's very much they're looking at trying to bridge that gap between kind of these two generations of, you know, sooner or later, it's going to be McAvoy's team and Pasternak's team. And it's all about kind of finding those guys that you can pencil in long-term to support kind of that core you have in place. So 
whether it's a guy like Bjorkstrand, whether it's a guy like uh, Garland, we, we can talk about, you know, to see what, about how much of a priority that is. But that's why I think they're looking at, even though he's a rental, a guy like Hurdle, who you hope to acquire and sign long term, because that's a, that's your 2C or your 1C two, three years down the road. So if you're the Bruins, you don't have to to fret about, you know, uh, shoring up that right side where you got Pasternak and Bjorkstrand or Garland or what have you. It's pretty good. And when you add in the fact that you've got Lysel coming through the system and who knows, maybe a, a year or two, I, I'd probably imagine they want to have him, you know, learn the ropes in Providence for a good amount before he's a viable guy. Like, I think people should probably pump the brakes a little bit there, but if you're all set with a guy like Bjorkshire and a Garland, you're doing pretty well for yourself in terms of getting ready and bridging that gap for this next kind of core moving forward. And Garland's a local dude, so it's another local guy. It makes plenty of sense, added. doesn't it? Makes perfect sense. And Bjorkstrand, Bjork, our honors Bjork was here. So it's there like you go. There's connections, two win-wins. Right? There's, there's connections. You know what you're getting in those guys. Um, but speaking of two C's, it came out actually Monday afternoon, Elite Friedman on 32 uh, Thoughts podcast. I was talking about Claude Giroux. Good old Claude Giroux and said, I don't know about Colorado in this one. I still think they're around, uh, but I wonder if they're looking elsewhere. I think the Bruins probably kicked tires on this. I think the Rangers have kicked tires on this. Now, it's interesting because Giroux has no term after this year, um, and he could easily go back to Philly like right after next, uh, right after this season. He could go back. Uh, you don't really know what he's going to end up doing. Uh, still, very, still a very effective center, and again, if you're 2C, that's very good. But I think it's going to take a haul to get Giroux. And I also think again, it's just a, it's a it's a half season thing. So again, I think if if Bergeron was to retire, and at the end of this year, if we knew that, and then on top of that, you knew that you probably might have to rebuild after Bergeron, Drew actually wouldn't be a terrible thing. You just go, you know what? We're we're throwing all our chips on the table for this final season and go for it. But again, they're not going to be rebuilding after this because you still have Marshan and Swayman and McAvoy and Pasternak and all these guys. And you just, you're kind of low down the middle. Giroux doesn't really bolster that depth long-term down the middle. Feels like Giroux's probably not going to be the case, even though this is getting talked up a bit now. Yeah, it's kind of a tough scenario to map out with Giroux because you look at it, you know, it depends on what lens you're looking at it through, right? Are you looking at just the short term of this year, which Giroux's a damn good player and would help them out tremendously. And you could even make the argument that, his versatility would actually help you out quite a bit because let's say, you know, obviously Drew is probably more well-known as a center, but he can also play on the wing as well. So if Eric Hall is still rolling through and that line is still producing and you put Drew with Bergeron and Marchand, oh. pretty good. Like, and if, and if it doesn't work. work out and if it doesn't work out and Hollis slows down, which I think is what, even though we're pretty encouraged with what he's put forth so far in that second line, if he does slow down, Giroux centering Hall and Pasternak isn't that bad either, right? So, I mean, your bases are kind of covered for this year if you get Giroux, who is still a, a fantastic talent and a guy that we motivated to win, um, and it falls in line with kind of this short-term window you have. It's just about whether or not you want to give up what's going to be a first and probably a, a top prospect. I don't know if, like, Lysel would be the guy, but still valuable capital uh, and assets on your team for a guy that is maybe here for just for this half season, right? Like a guy who could very well go back to um, to Philly or go somewhere else. And he's not really a long-term building block, right? He's what, I think 35, 34, Giroux? So, uh, 34, yeah, 34 yeah. years old. So, I mean, it's one of those ones where it definitely helps you out this year. It makes plenty of sense within the next couple of months. But 
when you compare it to why they're looking at guys with term like Bjorkstrand or or Garland or looking at a guy like Hurdle, who granted you have to sign, he's a rental technically, but the rationale if you're trading for a guy like Hurdle, it's you're signing him long term. Like that's the risk is that it's very much a, a short short term gain for um, a situation long-term where I think pain. Bruins, yeah, exactly, <laughs> where the Bruins I think are really trying to stay focused on not maximizing, but extending this contention window and bridging that gap. I don't know if Drew fits into it. So it's not going to be a situation where let's say we get to March 21st and, you know, hurdle resigns with San Jose, or you're not getting chicken, which I don't think you're getting anyway. Cause I still think the cost is going to be ridiculous Insane. for him. Right. Like yeah. I, I don't think you're getting those guys. I don't think JT Miller's moving. If the Bruins are like, well, I guess we have to take Claude Giroux, who's still like on, you know, putting up a point per game, still a, a motivated veteran guy to this team. Pretty good. Like that is a great move. It's just for the Bruins, it's getting that priority of, you know, what, how you want to approach this. Cause I think ideally they want the best of both worlds, right? Where you get an impact guy that helps you out this year and you build for the future, but all depends on what the prices are and who's available, uh, you know, in the days leading up to March 21st. Easier said than done, but it does feel like Jeru's a guy who, unless I'm forgetting anyone, is probably the biggest difference maker in this deadline, short term for this season. Like you're getting Jeru, there's no doubt about it. He comes in your lineup, and as you said, he fills a million holes and he produces immediately. I don't know if there's a guy who's more of a sure bet. Uh, I mean, Hurdle maybe, but again, Jeru's done it for so long. Yeah. He's been through so many battles that it feels like Jeru would be a guy who, again, that's why Colorado makes so much sense. Just put your chips to the table. And 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 see what happens with a guy like Giroux. Um, because again, I mean, he's just so stellar. Um, safe bet that he's going to come in and produce. Very, very safe bet. But we're talking really safe bets. We talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. That's always a fun one. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. How do website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. It's not just basketball, but online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC. It's the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games and use that promo code CLNS50 online where the game starts where the game starts speaking of basketball man march is heating up march madness is coming right around the corner fun times march madness is up. i love march madness i get all excited you do the brackets it's, it's one know, it's, it's one of the best sports days of the year i would say is the first like maybe even the first two oh. days but in terms of like you know Opening day for, you know, whatever your favorite sport is. Opening day for baseball is always great, which is there. One, yeah. yeah, but <laughs> like, especially, yeah, like the first few days of March Madness is, is right up there in terms of being just a splendid sporting day. Connor, you're a few years older than me, but I think this still applies to you. Uh, I remember the best part was in high school and college, the first day, because March Madness lands the first day, I believe is like a Thursday. Um, and Thursday and Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, I think that's the first round or first and second round. But anyways, that's the days with the most things. And I remember in college, I would sit with a laptop in class watching a bunch of the games. Same with high school because I would have 
like you, you made of like a chill history class and the history teacher was always like the coolest and had like put on a game in the background as he taught and be like you're, you're cool as <laughs> it's hell it's the great Higgins, depression like, no, yeah. no one cares yeah it... <laughs> yeah let them eat cake we, we know, know the cares. story we know the story we know how this uh, this ends and how it begins uh but it was always the best like you'd get to watch the games and it's just one after the other and you can watch it all over at ncaa.com so boom crazy shameless plug right there uh but yeah march madness is gonna be very 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 exciting uh and you got me all uh sad about baseball opening day because i'll be opening day is like the best i had to twist the knife uh, there evan sorry right in right in that's always such a fun day and this year that won't be happening until like may you know it'll be like or, bruins game yeah. one of the playoffs happy, happy flag day evan you're ready for first pitch <laughs> can't wait um that's a whole dumpster fire uh but things are not something that's not a dumpster fire that we were worried might be uh, who's going to be starting United for the Bruins in the playoffs? That is the big question. Uh, and it felt like the other big development over this uh, good road trip was Jeremy Swayman to start to kind of assert his dominance. Bruce Cassidy was asked about it. Uh, so he's probably going to play a little bit more uh, down the stretch than Omar. I think that's kind of the right move because, again, you got to stick to someone. You kind of have to commit to someone a little bit and get Swayman in the, the group playing every day because that's how it would most likely be in the playoffs. Um, do you think Swayman's kind of the guy for, uh, for the postseason at least right now? Yeah, I'm, I think so. And you look at kind of this goaltending situation and we talked about this back in the fall in terms of how complicated, we talked and messy. A lot. yes, quite a bit. <laughs> we talked, you know, about just how complicated and messy this whole goaltending situation is, was going to be going into the year. And now you're at a, a spot where it seems like everything's working out. Not the way they envisioned it. They envisioned Tuka Rask was going to be healthy. But in terms of putting themselves in the best spot, getting ready for the playoffs, you've got Jeremy Swayman, who's really turned a corner uh, ever since Rask retired and is looking like the same guy that stormed onto the scene last year. I mean, looks like a legit number one goalie, a guy who really doesn't get phased, even though he didn't maybe have his best game on Saturday against Columbus. Still battled through, still made a couple of like crazy grade A saves. He had that crazy stop on line A, like yeah. four seconds to go, which like if they won that game in regulation, would have been like, oh my God. Like, and then I was course, about I think, to clip it and then they scored yeah. and I was like, I'm not going to never mind. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but you look at that, like, he, you know, he fights through that. And it's one thing Cassidy's talked about all the time with Swayman is even if he has a, a game where he kind of falls back to earth doesn't really let it snowball. It kind of just rolls with the punches and battles back, which is impressive to see. So Bruins, you have to be ecstatic that Swayman's kind of, you know, rounding into his own and looking like a number one guy, but also you're having a situation where uh, we'll see how a guy like Omar, you know, responds and battles through this. Cause I think from the Bruins, a team that has always talked about, you know, internal competition, how that drives uh, goalie tandems. And you've seen it with, Rask and Hudobin and Rask and Halak and all these other guys. Like, um, if Olmark sees, you know, swimming getting on a roll here and starts, you know, battling through and, and putting up stronger numbers, it benefits everyone. It'd be a great problem to have if both of them are playing at a high level. I still think probably swimming has the inside track right now. I think you'd have to see their numbers, you know, flip more or less in terms of their production to kind of switch that, you know, number one status that swimming has. But Again, I think that's what the Bruins are envisioning here is you've got Swayman at a high level and Olmark is responding to it and hopefully elevating his game as he sees Swayman kind of maybe not running away is probably the, the, the not the right term for it, but he's establishing, establishing himself in kind of short order to get that number one spot. 
I mean, again, he was February rookie of the month, could have even been, you know, goalie yeah. of the month. Um, but it's funny, you know, Olmark's going to establish some, kind of try to cut back on some of that playing time. Maybe when they do the post-game hug, he'll, like, pull out a thing of scissors and, like, clip the back of his uh, his pads. Oh, oh, your pads? Oh, I, think, I guess I got to go in. I guess I got to go in for a period or something like that. Uh, but it does feel like Swayman, we've talked about this um, off the air, feels like Swayman's a guy who could get, like, super hot in the playoffs. Like, one of those guys who could just go, just sicko mode and just, you know, go bananas uh, down the stretch. It feels like he's kind of a guy who has that like inherent trait in him, you know, and he had it at Maine. That's for sure. He had it at Maine and he had it at the, at the NHL level for certain sports, the regular season. I'm so curious. Again, I think the most interesting thing to watch when it comes to the postseason is how he does in a series. Cause again, we saw him briefly against the Islanders. Uh, and I believe it was a game five. Uh, yeah. We saw him for like a period, uh, I think in the third, um, so again, I'm so interested to see how he holds up in a playoff series. Um, and I, again, I'm also interested to see how Omar responds to this stuff. Like again, like Omar has not looked great over the past month, but he did have, I, I believe it was, was it January that Omar was, was pretty good in. He went on a run at some point that he was, was very, like very good. I think from December 1st through maybe right around when Rask retired. So it was like a month, maybe like five weeks stretch. I think he had like a 921 save percentage. So pretty good. Yeah. Like, Pretty good. Again, like I do think both of them are streaky-ish. And if you can kind of hit the right spot with that, you're cooking. So interesting stuff. And I do think um, Swayman is starting to uh, run away with it. You know what's? You know who's not running away with anything? It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh. The Toronto Maple Leafs. So the first time in a long time all season, the Atlantic Division is actually kind of tightening up. Right now, uh, as we record this on Monday, the Bruins are two points behind uh, Toronto, which, again, was not in the cards even a month ago. Uh, now it very much is that the Bruins could overtake um, for that third spot in the Atlantic. Toronto, who could have seen this coming? I, I, it's pretty crazy. I, I've never seen a Toronto team do this before. So I, for one, am shocked that this is that this is how it's going. Uh, it doesn't feel like they've learned from any of their mistakes in the past, has it? No, and it's one of those ones where, again, you looked at how good like guys like Campbell were playing at the start of the year, but it's the same thing. I mean, look at Freddie Anderson right now, who would get to the playoffs and be completely out of gas because they rode him the entire year. And, you know, I'm sure he benefits from being in Carolina where they've got a better defense and they, you know, get the puck out quickly and they're, they don't spend a whole lot of time in their own zone. But look at just how his game is translated getting out of Toronto. And now you've got a situation where it seems like Campbell's out of gas I don't know if Peter Morozik's the guy you want to trust. I don't think if I'm a Maple Leafs fan and the Bruins play Peter Morozik in the playoffs, uh, he's got a bit of a track record too. Would not be great. So, I mean, yeah, it's I don't even know how you fix that team without moving one of their top guys just because in terms of the cap restraint, in terms of where how many avenues you really have to, to improve that overall roster, like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hot place with that team because, I mean, they're – ridiculously talented we all know that but you're not gonna it's not just even one thing where it's like they're still missing that like number one defenseman or what have you it's like you can't stay afloat if your goaltending giving you like eight eight five save percentage over like a what like a three four week span now it's not a winning formula i would say i'm not a wouldn't say i'm a hockey expert here evan but usually eight eight five save percentage is not it's not what you're looking for I would say. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. I also just think the defense in front of him is not great. Like Carolina's, I think part of the, and you mentioned it, you hit on it, like Freddie Anderson down in Carolina, the defense is much better. The team is much better. It's also built better. You know, they're not super top heavy with contracts. Um, 
but even this, I mean, again, like Michael Bunting has been good. Andre Kasher has been um, yeah. great. So like you're getting contributions from lower in the lineup. It's just like, you again, like you're spending too much on Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. And then on D, again, I just, Morgan Riley's cool. You know, he's he off, super offensive and all that stuff. But around him, I mean, Muzzin's been on the IR for a bit. Just, I mean, again, and, like. And, and Riley's not a good defensive guy anyway, too. Like, he, no. you, you're well aware of what you're getting with him. So he's not the guy you build your decor around. Yeah, I mean, again, that, that would be, I maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think I'm right. That would be like if you built your defense around, like, Tory Krug. And again, Krug might even be a little bit better defensively. Yeah. And again, like, I think Krug was also a much better defensive system here. Um, but again, a guy like Riley leading your D, not really, no. And again, I just, I, I look at that team and the way they're built, and it just goes to show you that you, you actually do need to invest in defensemen. That is a thing you need to do. And that's why it wouldn't surprise me. I don't, I don't know their cap situation off the top of my head, uh, but I believe Muzzin is still on uh, IR, correct? Yeah, feels I like believe they're in LTIR range, so... Yes, so I would not be surprised to see them add another defenseman or just another average defenseman at the deadline who they're going to pipe up. All the media up there is going to say that, you know, Mark Giordano is still, you know, a, a, a top pairing left shot defenseman or John Klingberg. Um, or the, who's Lindholm. the other defenseman? Lindholm. That was the one that we said he, we, they were going to get and uh, he was going to become, you know, the savior up in Toronto. So uh, wouldn't be surprised to see the Bruins pass them. Uh, that would probably put them in range to play Florida or Tampa in the first round, which yeah, pick, pick doesn't, really, doesn't really help. Uh, I don't think that like really helps your playoff positioning at all. Um, but hey, the higher I get, the, the higher you get, maybe the better. Again, I said that my big prediction was that you're going to upset Florida in the first round. I, yes. I would not be surprised to see that happen. So if 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 it gets you to play Florida, great. Like I just think if you play Tampa, you're done, and that it's there's nothing you can really do. So I would much whatever helps you get to. play florida you find a way to do because uh again the track record on tampa is just uh too big and with toronto playing you in the first round like i don't think they want i still don't think they want to play you in the first round just given the track record but uh, anyways that is this week's bruins beat uh connor uh what before you go uh, what would you like to plug what can people look forward to over at boston sports journal yeah, we'll have uh, plenty of coverage uh, leading up to the trade deadline. We had another story we dropped today exploring a Brock Besser trade and why I thought there should be a uh, buyer beware tag for a guy like him, even though he's seems like it make a lot of sense as a potential 30 goal guy. Look a little Comes bit deeper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look a little bit deeper into his stats. A little uh, cause for concern there. So we'll do a couple more of those mm. breakdowns. I'm sure we'll probably explore uh, Giroux as a possibility possibility later this week so all that stuff will be over at bostonsportsjournal.com so subscribe over at bsj want to follow me on twitter you can do that at connor ryan underscore 93 go do all that for stillness media i'm evan marinovsky you burns listeners have a great rest of your week